Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Okay, today we're excited to be here on the Midnight Founders Podcast with Travis Perry, Dr. Travis Perry, PhD. Those initials at the end are very important because there's a lot of work involved in that. And uh, all the way down from Logan, Utah, Travis, welcome to the Midnight Thanks. Founders Podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. It's Thanks good for to making have the you trek. Here. Yeah, it is a little bit of a trek, but it was good. <laughs> this is awesome. We, we've t- had several phone calls and interactions via Zoom and Google Meets, but first time in person. So this is great. Absolutely. Well, um, Travis, I mean, of anyone, you know what it means to be an entrepreneur and you've been working with entrepreneurs for a long time, for a while. Um, but what you're doing is a little different with Make Time Institute where you're helping entrepreneurs find that balance in life versus work. So tell us, give us the elevator pitch of what you're doing at Make Time Institute. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me guys. I think number one thing is what is balance? Balance, people think it's some kind of 50-50 between work and home. Um, The reality is that is an absolute myth. So we're trying to debunk that myth. Oh, you heard it here. It's all false. (laughs) It's on. So my first book I wrote called Achieving Balance was trying to uncover what is balance. So my PhD in family relations, we really tried to uncover the research behind balance. Is it health? Is it wealth? Is it relationships? Yes, it's all of the above. However, what I've come to figure out is balance is when you make time for your highest priorities in life. Hmm. Period, end of story. We've interviewed close to a thousand entrepreneurs and financial advisors, and that's kind of the world I came from. And what they told us is they feel balanced when they've made time for their health, they've made time for their spirituality, make time for their spouse and family. Hmm. All the other things, business, um, fun and rec, hanging out with friends, like those things are good and they're all priorities, all of them. But oftentimes the most important things in our life that we think we're working hard for get overlooked. So when I named this company Make Time Institute, it was actually just a placeholder. Like, I don't know what to call it just Hmm. yet. But the concept is we make time for those things that are most important in our lives. Hmm. We just naturally do. And that doesn't mean it's, you know, a specific, you know, equal amount of time per thing. It And it probably fluctuates over time and as priorities change. And maybe tell us more totally. about that. Talk to us. Yeah, great. Great uh, segue into that. I, I think there are times and seasons in our lives and we have to change with those times and seasons. A time might be, hey, for a period we're launching a business or we're, um, you know, adopting a child that can be all consuming for a period of time. Um, there may also be a season in life. For example, when, you know, we live in Utah, we have the seasons here, you know, we have seven months of winter, then we have construction <laughs> and then we have mosquito season. So, I mean, you pick your, pick your poison, but Very no, good. for, for real, like in the summertime, I'm biking at 6.30, 5.30 in the morning just so I can beat the heat. Road or mountain? Uh, mountain. Mountain. Yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, you just got Jake excited. I saw it. <laughs> I was actually thinking about mountain biking when you were talking about balance. Because I hey. was like, if you ride on the center of your seat on the road, like right. your balance between, you know, 
your work and life, you could be 50, 50, but none of us are riding on a road. We're all on a hillside. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta be able to like flex and pivot and adjust. Beautiful. I went, I went mountain biking on Wednesday. It was awesome. Or Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. It was awesome. There you go. Yeah. I was just this morning. Every time I get on my bike, I'm always thinking about balance. It's just yep. a natural thing. But you're exactly right. I had these ideas of like, what's the best analogy? And on my podcast, I ask people, what's your analogy? What, what's your definition of balance? I've heard every single one. I like, I like that. I haven't heard that analogy of between a road and a mountain bike. It makes a lot of sense because on a, on a mountain bike, you're standing up. You're never pivoting. on your seat. You're hardly ever sitting down, <laughs> yeah. right? You're always moving and changing. And um, so, you know, I, I, I do believe in... Um, balance. I think it is absolutely achievable. What I found is that we've helped entrepreneurs find a sense of balance. It's usually they're losing weight. They're spending more time with their spouse. They're being a better dad or mom. And that's the whole reason why they're driven into being an entrepreneur. They're tired of working for the man. They don't follow rules very well. They want to be a leader in the community or whatever reason it is for them. And then they get kind of stuck, what I call the workaholic trap. And they kind of fall into it. It's not, they didn't wake up and go, hey, I'm going to be a workaholic today. That's it. No, but they get started and they think they have to give everything to the business or it won't succeed. But what happens after several years of kind of creeping or falling and sliding into the workaholic trap is they realize they're not where they want to be. They're not happy. And their definition of success, while they may have wealth, they may even have, you know, some some material things to show for it or some awards, whatever. They didn't spend the time or make the time for those things that mattered. And those are kind of crumbling around them. And burnout's probably very much a factor. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, the people that are literally trying to get away from the nine to five, the corporate environments, the things that provide a lot of, quite honestly, burnout structure... Mm -hmm get into entrepreneurism only to find out that they've just <laughs> buried just themselves. It's bad. That's it. It's, it's worse. probably worse. <laughs> it's worse. Worse. Um, in fact, most of the advisors and, and uh, entrepreneurs I talk to, if, they're, if they've set up their businesses correct, their employees oftentimes have better balance than they do. Oh, how funny. That, that is so sense. ironic, isn't it? Totally. So the people that leave the nine to five to go start the businesses – have a better cultural environment for them. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a two-edged sword again. But we, it's that... Oh, go ahead, Jay. I was going to say, we hear about this all the time. I mean, I'm thinking specifically about uh, Clint Berry talked about it in his episode. So, I mean, this is a crucial topic for entrepreneurs. Um, how do they engage with the Make Time Institute? Is it an organization that you meet with? Is it individuals? Uh, how does that work? So we have lots of, we have books, we have courses, we have events that we're doing now quarterly because we can do that in person. And Heck yeah. um, it, there's coaching. Um, we even are doing a private Necker Island retreat, Richard oh, wow. Branson's Necker Island. Where, wow. where is that again? So it's in the Caribbean. Okay. It's a private island he purchased. You can mm. watch the documentary. If you're ever running Delta flights, you can just watch this documentary. It's on Netflix, but um, fantastic uh, things that we're doing to try and bring balance at every level. Um, we're going to be producing a documentary. We've got a podcast. So there's lots of ways you can interact with the Make Time Institute. Um, they're a team of us and I've got, you know, virtual assistants. I have some in person too. We're not huge. Uh, it's definitely 
a passion project turn into a business. Um, I was a financial advisor and I was stuck in the workaholic trap. Mm-hmm. I fell right in, but it happened over time and it didn't happen on purpose. It mm-hmm. wasn't my you know, goal in life to be a workaholic. And I started finding myself there. And then when my father, uh, right before he turned 50 years old, or just a couple weeks before, we were planning his 50th birthday. It was a surprise because no one likes to celebrate their birthday. And my dad was like, I don't want to get any older. Push me off a cliff if I get this old. You know, you <laughs> promise me? Sure, dad, whatever. Um, but he was on a mountain bike ride with one of his best friends. And uh, he was also on EMT. And he passed out. Mm. And he had a major heart attack. My dad had a major heart attack. And died right there on the trail. Oh my gosh. So there I was, financial advisor, 26, seeing myself going down the wrong path, having to then help my mom, help my family, help with all the financial pieces that were all over the place with his business, with his personal. It was quite the ordeal. I aged about 10 years in a, in a week. Um, and then that was my way of kind of coping through everything. When the dust settled, when everything cleared, started to have these premonitions that, dude, you better get your health in order. You better really make sure that your wife is taken care of. And all these things started lining up where I said, I've got to leave my profession because I can't do everything I want to do just as a, as a financial advisor. They're needed. They're super important. You should have one. But at the same time, I, I started to say, I've got to do more. So we created the Make Time Institute after... I figured out everything I could about balance and mental health and stress and relationships and money. And they all go together in this big clump. It's true. Um, so then our first book was Born Achieving Balance. And as we began to help advisors and professionals, entrepreneurs, I had people come to me and like, hey, I, I'm pretty balanced, but I'm struggling to get to the next level. And I'm thinking, you know, is it okay to push balance off for a while? to get to the next level. Um, You seem to be having it all figured out. You say you only work 25, 30 hours a week and you take 10 to 16 weeks off a year. How are you doing this? I said, you know what? That's not something I teach. I literally had the phone call with a friend. I'm like, I don't, I don't coach on that. I coach on balance. And she was like, Travis, you don't get it. I'm losing my balance because I can't grow my business thought snap i've i've been missing out there's the pain point right there There it is mm-hmm. i said i'll tell you what you're my friend i'll give you the you know the five finger discount we will work together on this and steven and i worked together and after six months she tripled her business mm. and she dropped 10 hours a week from her schedule and again she thought she was already pretty balanced mm-hmm. but man was she wasting her time doing this and the other and not focusing on really what mattered to push her business forward um, you know, her success is, is awesome. And, and I said, you know, there's probably others who are dealing with this. So I started making other interviews and finding out and poking holes in my own client stories. And they started telling me the same thing. Yes. Yes. I'm struggling. I want to get to the next level, but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I said, oh man, this is working. Let's try it. And, uh, we started some case studies and worked on it together. And, most of my clients work with me for a year or two and they, you know, 3X, 5X, 10X their businesses. And they're probably 
um, going down anywhere from 10 to 20 hours a week in wasted time, just gone. Mm. So my, my so, website's full of those testimonials. I love, love talking about them. So are those the metrics you're, you're measuring by Travis is amount of time spent in your business or, or the reduction of time and then how much your business grows. Absolutely. Those are the two metrics you're using. Absolutely. Th- okay. Those metrics plus relationship quality. And how do you measure that? Oh, that's a PhD <laughs> question. <laughs> that's a PhD question. Yeah. Uh, you can read my 150-page dissertation. Uh, you know, there's all different ways. There's various different metrics um, in person, uh, you know, survey questions. But really what, I, what it comes down to, what is causing great marital satisfaction, that is when couples have the same shared goals and values. John Gottman, have you guys heard of him? Um, it seems familiar. Okay, okay. Now, here's another name. John Gray, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Mm-hmm. Okay, John Gray, fantastic marketer, doesn't know anything about relationships. Sorry, John. Um, John <laughs> Shout out to John, wherever you are. <laughs> John Gottman, PhD, the world's foremost relationship expert. Why do we not know about him? Because he didn't market himself like John Gray. Mm. John Gottman did actual research. He has a love lab in Washington state. He brings a couple to his house. He and his wife are researchers and he's a therapist. And they have found, and they can predict divorce by 97% accuracy. How far in advance? Uh, you know, from from their intervention. Okay. They will say, you, you're going to get divorced, you're not going to divorce. They can figure that out 97% correctly. Wow, interesting. Um, and what he's found is he's, he has a whole theory, and the, the core of that theory is if couples turn toward each other, if they lean on each other, if they help each other through hard times and toward good goals and values. So I built my dissertation off of that and said, hey, if his theory is working, let's test it. Let's see if couples have not just, you know, this sense of we're leaning on each other in hard times, but we're actually purposely developing together. That, my friends, is the $10 million idea. Mm. If I did a TED Talk, it would be on that topic alone. Because if you go to any event, any coaching event, personal development, it's all about who? It's the individual. You need to do this. This is how you're going to be healthier. This is how you're going to build your business. Da, 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 da. When do they ever talk about you and your spouse together? Right? The person that is most likely to help you have better balance in your life, who cares about you the most, is the one that gets left out first. Yeah, we don't talk about spousal burnout rates. They're tired of you coming home late every night. They're tired of you burning the candle at both ends. They get the last of you. And, and the worst of you almost, right? Precisely. Yeah. Yet it's the very first person we're excited to, you know, I was at the Capitol building today. There was a wedding and there, it's so nice. It's so fun. But I know the divorce rates, they're worse than entrepreneur rates, <laughs> burnout and failure. And there is a correlation between the two because they're not making time for the things that matter most. So I thought, well, shoot, if there's something to this, if we can build a business and your spouse is also involved as the most caring, most loving, and most supportive character in your story, then why can't you put them together in what I call balanced growth? Balanced growth is really 
that. How do you grow your business without losing your balance? Hmm. It's a, it, like you said, Jake, this is a really important topic. I, I mean, and even uh, the the name of the podcast is Midnight Founders Podcast because entrepreneurs find themselves up at midnight trying to figure stuff out so they can make it work even the next day. And, and that um, kind of flies in the face of what you're talking about because you you'll have to have those moments, but you should control that amount and shouldn't have them. I mean, as infrequently as possible, the better you are off, you know, to, to do that. Mm, Well, and the guys that are burning the, the, I have a saying, if you're the one run around putting out fires all day long, it's you who's going to end up being burnt out. And if your kids are getting the worst of you, your spouse is getting the worst of you. They're getting leftover energy if you believe in God and you have that connection with most people do, um, whether they practice that in a religious way or not, they still are, are spiritual, then are you giving God your best? Are you giving your own body what it needs all the time? Guarantee most entrepreneurs I talk to, they eat lunch at their desk if they eat lunch at all. They sleep too little. They don't exercise enough. They don't take their spouse on dates or on vacations. If it's a vacation, it's a work vacation. And they just bring them along and let them sit by the pool. I'm being very stereotypical right now. You guys are nodding your heads because you know it's and true. And we've heard the stories. <laughs> we have heard the stories. Yeah. And in moments have experienced those, you know, yep. and burst those same things personally, you know. So. so when I started Make Time Institute, I said, I'm doing this upside down, backwards. I'm doing it the way that I want. And I figured out if I could just work with the people that I love working with, 25, 30 hours a week, I've got a hundred and, you know, how many, 140 hours left, 45 hours left in a week that I can do all these other things. My kids see me. They didn't know I did a PhD. They don't know that I served in my church really heavily if I had a, you know, a responsibility that took a lot of my time because I made time for them. And that's all that they'll remember. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm interested. So you've met with you know, tons and tons of people at this point. And it seems like there's a common theme with, with people that they have this sense of what balance is. Um, are you, do you find yourself most often, um, reinventing the idea of balance in their life or just helping them achieve the balance that they're seeking? I think I'm redefining the definition. Okay, yeah. Because the 1980s version of balance is like, you've got to have equal time here and here. And it was so funny because one day- eight, eight. Right, 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 right. And, and uh, <laughs> one guy we were interviewing one day was like, oh, I'm balanced. I work 50% of the day. And we've got these smartphones that are, you know, it's turned off in my pocket, but we could be on all day. We're supposed to be home. We could be on these things and we could be checking email. And like it's a nonstop thing, these 24 7 devices that we have. And we all struggle with it. On my podcast, we talk about the struggles. What are we dealing with? And you got to set boundaries. You've got to have an ideal calendar for your life. You've got to be super productive in that time. And I will tell you think about this when you go on vacation, how productive are you right before you go? Like ultra. Ultra. Yeah. Right? We're just like, dude, I've got this and this and this. Why? Because you have a flight. Or your car leaves at a certain time. And if not, life's upset. The kids are mad. Or 
and you may have missed the family reunion, you know, picture or whatever, which is may not be a bad thing. Anyway, uh, but the idea is if you have a deadline, you're going to get it done. You're going to move things that aren't as high priority. When we have a lot of time, what do we do? Put it off. We put it off. We lollygag. We watch YouTube. We do the things that we're not worried about getting done because we got time. But most entrepreneurs, they're not working what I call in their work sweet spot. 20 to 25% of their time is probably all that's allocated to the most five or six most important things that drive the business. So they are really actually only working part-time. So they, Travis, how do you only work 25, 30 hours a week? Well, if we look at your schedule and we look at what you're actually doing this driving business, that's where I am. I'm just ultra productive, but I can turn it off. You lollygag, you mess around, you spend time doing this and you're doing all these other less productive activities and you're just spending 90 hours a week at work. Now, what do you want? If you want the health, you want the relationships, you want to be a leader in the community, you want all these other things outside of work, you have to make time for it, which means you have to turn it off. Yeah, I think I had kind of a realization a few years ago where I felt like I was spending, I had all these different responsibilities, right? And I felt like I was at work, but worrying about things outside of work. And then I was at home and I was worrying about work. And I, I just realized that like, I, I'm not being productive at all right? because I've got half my focus on two different things. And so I, I'm not being efficient with my time. So I really love this concept. I think it's brilliant. Well, and being present, we're so distracted. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a family business plumbing construction oh nice and you know we had walkie talkies and we could call each other but like the conversation was dead after that like there was no text messaging there was no following up there's no email like, it just didn't exist it was awesome we were really productive the only thing that had us you know distracted was the radio which is background noise anyway um and make occasional conversation don't get me wrong there are still time wasters but not like today this is a pandemic of ginormous, you know, I don't know, um, expectation to be able to get through this alone is just ridiculous. We need each other. We need to set boundaries. Our teams need to set boundaries. We need to have goals to be productive. So in my next book, Balanced Growth, you know, uh, we talk about, well, the number one things that you should be doing is I call your work sweet spot, your top five or six things. How do you do those? The majority of those getting new business, landing new business, right? And the two of you, obviously we could, you know, uh, boil these things down, but if we looked at our own business, what is it that actually drives new business in? Am I the guy who's the face of the company? Am I the back end? Like whatever it is that you're doing, what are the most important things? And I've found that being the guy, the face of the company, if you can use uh, creative products like books, podcasts, What's the name of your podcast again, Travis? It's called the Balanced Growth Podcast. That's right. Or Balanced Growth Show. It used to be called the Balanced Advisor Show, but now it's the Balanced Growth Show. And on that show, you know, we we do talk about this concept, but we talk about Invitology. Invitology has been the best, most effective way to reach people through all the clutter. We got Facebook ads, we got YouTube ads, and we just become 
There's a lot of numb. noise. Yeah. We become numb to the noise. Mm-hmm. The ads are designed, designed to distract us. They're designed to catch your attention. And then for a moment you look away and all of a sudden you find 45 minutes later, you're on, you're on some <laughs> YouTube site. You're like, how, <laughs> how did I start, you know, listening to, you know, this playlist? So <laughs> annoying. <laughs> From one thing to another. Oh, man. And you're gone. Right? So you have to realize that as I'm teaching people to not be distracted, how do I not distract through ads and Facebook and media? <laughs> yeah. I kind of be a hypocrite if I'm using that, right? Yeah, that's true. So I figured, well, what can I do? LinkedIn is the best place to find entrepreneurs, to find other business people. And I've been able to find ways to connect with them using this concept of inviteology invite them in to my podcast to be interviewed for our books to be interviewed for events to be interviewed for whatever that we create we interview people first and after we find out two things what is it they're struggling with on that concept we get our research but they get a win because they get involved in something they'll get a free book or they'll be on the podcast and they can talk about their business it's a win-win just like why we're doing this today cool and then what i found is that is the most effective way to reach people without distracting them for hours, Mm. sending them on a goose chase down YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or wherever else you like to play. TikTok. TikTok or, you know, whatever it is you're doing (laughs) um, and create lasting connections, just like you guys are doing here with this podcast. Well, and I think part of the the beauty of the podcast format as well is it's, it is a, a format where people are coming to be taught or learn or engage in the content in some way. Yeah. They they feel like it's going to add value to them. So they're there to learn, which is different than I think everything else that's out there for the sure. most part. So Well, and there's so much of the same mm-hmm. of a lot of things. So if you can be different, like you guys are doing in-person podcasts, this is different for most people. Most people are using Zoom or some other format that might just be audio only. Um but whatever you can do to be just a little bit different, people will recognize that. They'll pick up on it, they'll follow it, and it'll be fresh and refreshing. Yeah. Well, and part of that difference, Travis, as well, is um, some of the things we focus on here because a lot of us hear the stories of those that have made it and right. they've arrived on top and we're like, oh, and it was a wonderful 10 year success uh, overnight, you know? Overnight. And uh, how wonderful for them. But oftentimes the stories are not told of those that are in the trenches working on it and, and dealing with the most biggest, hardest challenges in the moment, right? How do they get through them? What do they do? And what does that look like? And so along those lines, I, you've been an entrepreneur for a while and, and, you know, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad and, and, and that's really a hard thing too. But what, what do you think in your life has been one of those moments where you were facing or, or a story, you know, that someone wouldn't believe you're facing something really hard, daunting, and you overcame it, or it's just worked out or tell us about one of those or two of those. Yeah. I think my dad's story, and I'll tie this in, that became the internal motivation for me to change my life. Mm-hmm. And literally my wife and I changed our parenting style, how we school our children, our health. We've been 18 years, 19 years plant-based. Like we've totally changed like we're crazy. Wow. We're, kudos. We're, people come like, wow, you homeschool. Don't eat this plant right here. Yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not tempted. <laughs> that is not tasty. Uh, it's probably fake. But anyway. It's totally fake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're funny. Uh, but the reality is that um, 
that most people are, they're not willing to make big change until they're in a place of pain. Mm -hmm. And you're touching on that right now. Mm -hmm. I've studied human development and when people actually change and it's, it's, there's several stages. They think about it. They contemplate, oh, I should do that. But it's not until something hits them in the face. And that was my dad passing away. That's when I made all these decisions. And my wife and I were like, okay, let's do it. Because she didn't want me to make, you know, not make it to 50. I, I'm going to make it to 50. I'm 43, seven more years, I'll, I'll be above the trend. <laughs> um, but the reality is that's the internal motivation. If you don't have an internal motivation, it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what you do. But I knew that that was it for me. I wanted balance and I began it myself. Until I could achieve it, I couldn't teach anybody. And quite honestly, if you just told me, Travis, you're going to be sitting in this chair talking about balance to people. When, you know, when I was 26, I'd say, who are you? Like, I'm a financial guy. I talk about money, but it's all related. So as I was um, just graduating from Utah State, that's why we found Logan. Most oh, people Aggies. in Utah. Yeah. Most people don't know where Logan is, even in Utah. They're like, where's that? And that's okay. And that's why we live there. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> yes. Okay. It's, that's perfectly good. I'm the mountain biking sucks up yeah, there. Yeah. Do not go there. <laughs> Snowmobiles. Do not go up There's there. There's nothing fun to do. The summers are horrible. Bear Lake is awful. You know. Bear Lake is disgusting. <laughs> it's dirty. Oh, man. So <laughs> that's why we, uh, we, we love it up there. But anyway. The, the idea here is that uh, we wanted to stay after I did the PhD up there. And we just, I couldn't figure out the marketing. I didn't know how to market. I go to school, they teach you all this stuff about psychology and people. And unless you get a business degree, and even then, even then, sometimes they're not teaching you how to start up a business. They're not teaching you a lot of the things unless you go into the school of hard knocks. It's a challenge with world. all the professional trades, isn't it? It is. It is. Mm -hmm. this, this is, I hear it so much. I went to music school and they didn't teach me how to get a job or start a business. So I had to, I actually had a professor who was like, Travis, I love what you're doing, but you should go and get an MBA. I'm like, I'm not going to do an MBA and a, you know, PhD and hats off to you. If you've done that, you're crazy. But um, one student loan at a time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Do you know what the tuition is <laughs> at the school of business? <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I took a job in academia all the while trying to figure out how I could make the research objectives fit my business ideas. And that was working for a while until I said enough is enough. I'm tired of academia. This doesn't really fit. I enjoy teaching, but I really need to be helping people who are already in the trenches, the people that are suffering. Um, students, they're like, what do I need to pass the test, right? And maybe they'll use it someday. I know I was there. So I wanted to help those who were stuck. And as I left academia, I had some pretty great successes. I started speaking on stage. I found a niche right off the bat, which were my financial advisor friends. It was just natural. That's mm. who they they started asking me to speak. Use use that circle of influence. That's to it. Expand. Absolutely. Got and it. then I did one, it led to another. Before I knew it, I was all over the country speaking and it was great. That was twenty nineteen. Nice. And mm. I left the world of academia on the one legged stool of me speaking from stage. And I figured out to speak from stage, get leads, turn those into clients, and things were rolling. We did six figures in 2019, and for a single, you know, solo entrepreneur, that was great. 
replaced my income at the university, uh, provided for my family, had a new home, and everything was fine. Then 2020 came. <laughs> I was in the middle of writing a book. I had the manuscript. I was looking for a publisher, literally at a co-working space in San Marcos, Texas. When people started texting me, like, things are closing down. They stopped, you know, this was shut down, this was shut down. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this is, this is actually getting real. So my family and I took a little uh, a vacation on a boat out on, on a lake, and we just got away from everything, and it just got worse. By the time we were done, everybody was texting me, the world's on fire. And this COVID thing that I didn't even know was coming was here, and uh, the, everything was shutting down. And that's when I got emails and phone calls saying, we don't have stages for you anymore. And by the way, can you give us your deposit back? I'm like, absolutely not. This is an act of God. It's in the contract. You know, this we're going to make this work. And so we'll do it virtually. So the world of virtual speaking began, but it's not enough to feed a family. And everybody was trying to figure it out. So I saw, I thought, what in the world am I going to do? My whole business, one-legged stool. So I learned, you know, you marketing people are like, Travis, you're an idiot. You're just had, you had one stream of income, you know, one way of making a living. I get it. I, I diversify, you know, I'm, I'm, I learn from my mistakes, but I thought, well, what, what in the world could I do? And this is when I took my book and I hired a coach to help me figure out how could I market this during this downturn? What can I do? So if I can't speak on stage, at least people can read my book and be inspired and hire me. And that's when I discovered Invitology. As I began spreading the message about my book, I didn't even write a single word. You had a manuscript. Yeah, I had a manuscript. But as I started interviewing other people, I realized the message I wanted to give them did not line up with what they needed. Does that make sense? How many times do we create a podcast, a course, an event, maybe even a book, whatever it is, or even a, a software we think, yeah, this is, this is going to help people. I had a PhD. Like, I, I knew what I was talking about. But my mentor is like, this is the wrong book. Mm. I said, what do you mean? Like, I've got a PhD. You're a marketing guy. He's like, listen to me. You didn't involve anyone in this project. You're going to sell 200 copies. You're going to be a flash in the pan. And it's going to be over. I'm like, that is not what I wanted. That's not the point. So it's a bad I, day to hear that after you've already written your day. book. That's a Midnight Hours podcast moment. Right? That's it. Uh, that's what kept me up then. Yeah. That, because I was, I was freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? Well, we could sell the home, live with the mother-in-law. Like, <laughs> so my wife and I, we had a midday moment. We, we took a walk after lunch um, and we take walks after meals because I was working from home and, um, and we walked down the street and I said, honey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I know it's about balance. I know this message has to be told. If you want me to go back and teach, I could probably get a job, but no one's hiring right now. Hiring freezes everywhere in academia. No one was doing anything. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. They so were trying to figure it out themselves. They were trying to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So she's like, listen, we had some savings and we we're blown through it fast. And it's like, you know, I want you to do this. I believe in you wholeheartedly. If she would have said, we're done. Now we've got to go back. You've got to do a nine to five job and you've got to put food on the table. I would have said, okay. Because my belief is that if I have a great business and ruin my relationship with her, 
I didn't have her support. It's just going to create a wedge. And that's not worth it to me. But she was so willing. That day changed my life. She's like, no, I want you to succeed. I believe in you. I'll be poor. Whatever we need to do, we'll sell stuff. You know? And we did. We were, we were kind of scrappy for a while. All entrepreneurs are, right? You have to be. <laughs> you have to be. Shoestring budget, no funders. Not you know, once funders. or twice, but many times during their many career. Many times. <laughs> yeah. There's ups and downs. Yeah. And she knew what we were up against. This was just totally unexpected. And we thought this will last three months. It'll be over. And we know the rest of that story. Mm. Um, but for me, we uh, zero Facebook ads, zero Google ads, zero disruption ads. We were able to leverage connections and leverage what I call invitology as a methodology to do over $1.2 million in sales uh, in the short time since COVID. Good for you. That's awesome. So we're about 93% profitable, which, what? Well, we just, we have low cost, low overhead. We keep things very streamlined, automated, because I believe in productivity. I believe in bringing, bringing the money home and not paying Uncle Sam more than its fair share. But I tell this not to brag. And there's people that do hundreds of millions. Like I'm not, I'm not any sort of, overnight millionaire or anything like that but, but the trajectory am, is the trajectory is, is there really healthy it's growing mm -hmm. and and that's that's why the balanced growth method works and that's what i discovered if i could find the people that really need it my niche if i could use invitology and my wife and i are on the same page going the same direction we'll hit our goals that's so awesome. I know. I, I'm just thinking, man, um, Travis, this is cool. So many entrepreneurs need to hear this. Um, and we need to start wrapping up. But but my, my last one, my last questions would be, is this applicable to just certain industries or certain careers or certain, you know what I'm saying, certain verticals? Or is this an overlay over any entrepreneur or any business owner? Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So... I started with financial advisors strictly because I knew their world mm -hmm. and I liked them. <laughs> good people, they have good hearts, the majority, right? Um, so I like the demographic. Some people come to me like, Travis, I don't want to help engineers. <laughs> I just don't work well <laughs> with them, even though their concept might work with them. So yes, I do believe so. I think the idea of balance in and of itself work for anyone. Mm -hmm. I was asked to speak, for example, for a group of homeschool moms. Mm. Okay, think about this for a second. So I had to take the concept of balance to homeschool moms. And I just said, you know what? I speak mainly for entrepreneurs and business owners. Can you take for a moment and just indulge me and say, hey, we've, we've got this guy who's experienced in business you think you could apply some of these principles as being a homeschool mom running your own show at home? And they're like, yeah, of course. They were like, they wanted it. They were eager. And so I think the principle works for anyone, literally anyone. Nine to five, you know, whatever job balance is a principle, make time for the things that are most important. Balance growth, the focus is on the entrepreneur, the business owner. How do I grow this business because I'm the front man, the front woman, whoever you are on the on the business battlefield, and you're you're the one who's trying to create the rain for the rest of the company. Um, so that you know that second book is for 
that we're writing right now and you can get it at balancedgrowthbook.com on pre-order. That is who that second book is for. Balanced Leadership will be book number three. Awesome. Okay. Balanced Leadership is now how, as the leader, do you help create balanced culture within any organization? And that, my friends, I've never, I, this is the first place I've announced this. We're doing a documentary with that You one. heard it here first. This here first. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, so it's pretty special. We're going to do a documentary and we're actually going to go into companies. You know, maybe some mom and pop, mom and pop type of companies, but big organizations, you know, S&P 500 corporations to see what's really happening. It's exciting. When, when does Balanced Growth come out? Balanced Growth. Um, it's already on pre-order now. It'll be out probably by spring of next year. So people who are ordering, they, they know that, yeah, it'll be coming out. So for those who jump on the website and like, ah, oh, there's nothing for me to read. Cool. I have a 10 minute training and it goes into depth on each of the principles. Oh, cool. So if you want the information now, I've got the majority of it there. Is there a lot more? Of course. What can you do in 10 minutes? You know, I've got other trainings and things, but there's bonuses. There's some things I want to throw out to people to help them. Um, but if they pre-order it, they're going to be the first ones in line when the book does come out. We'll send it right to them. Is that on the Make Time Institute website? Or? Yeah, you go to maketimeinstitute.com. You yeah. can go to balancegrowthbook.com. Okay. That would be the most direct way to get it. Okay. We'll have it there. All right. Um, before we wrap up, I just uh, I don't want you to give away any of your secrets. So they're still, they still need to get the book and absolutely and uh i'll give any secret you want no i just i just want to hear like if you if you were to talk to somebody that's just getting ready to start their company yeah what's one piece of advice that you'd give them at the start of their journey can i give two yeah i know i'm long-winded one know why you're getting into business Mm. if you don't know your why you know, and Simon Simonic, you know, has made this really popular. Know your why. So that's why I'm bringing it up in this form. If you don't know why you're in business, when those troubles come, you're going to buckle. If you know your why and it's way bigger than you, you'll figure out how to make it happen. Period. End of story. This is why entrepreneurs fail and why they succeed because they don't know their why or they do know their why and they hang on to it okay because you hear all kinds of crazy stories i bet you guys hear it all the time like i did this this was crazy i was in this spot right and often i find that when i know my why it's that story of my wife walking down the street and making that decision we're going to hang on to this we're going to put everything that we have left into this right um that's the drive two know your boundaries what are your boundaries You can work on your why for your business, but you have to clock out. You have to be done. So I create what I call an ideal calendar. And it's not just for work. It's for all 10 areas of life. Everybody has a different way of saying, you know, here's the different areas and that's fine. I've come up with 10. And in those 10, if you make time on your ideal calendar, it's just going to happen. The people that accomplish goals, I've studied them. I've studied human development. I've seen what people do. They make time for their goals so it happens automatically. One day they just like, huh, look at that. We hit our numbers. Oh my goodness. I've done 32 triathlons, you know, in two years. Whatever it is. Why? Because they made time to work out. They made time to do the hard things. It just shows up. 
the ones, the entrepreneurs that are out there that, are, that struggle, they have a great idea. They want to get it done, but they don't make time for the things that actually matter. They get caught in the weeds and they burn out. They fail and their family suffers, their health suffers, and you know the rest of it. So I would say that. Know your why. Know your boundaries so that you can have balance as you grow your business. Love it. I can't wait to read the book. Same. I'm in. Cool. <laughs> Travis, this has been so fun. Thanks for joining us today here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate it. We, uh, we're we excited to have the audience go check out the stuff you're working on. Good luck with everything. Thanks, man. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.